Absalom, revenge or reconciliation? What happens when someone wrongs us terribly? Do we consider revenge or seek reconciliation? Sadly, sometimes we're so aggrieved by what the person has done to us that we want to get even. We may even pray for God to deal with them as they have dealt with us. It usually takes a while for the Holy Spirit to soften us so that we can even consider some form of reconciliation. Today's story is going to look at someone who was never able to transition from revenge to reconciliation and the tragic consequences of their bitterness and rage. His name is Absalom, and he is King David's third son. His mom is Maka, who is the daughter of Telme, king of Gesher, a region that extends along the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, known today as the Golan Heights. This region was initially allotted to the half-tribe of Manasseh, but they were never able to expel the Gesherites from their land. King David, before he came to his throne, even attacked these people. And we read he did not leave one person alive in the villages and stole all of their livestock as well. Thus, it's a surprise then that once he becomes king of Hebron, that David takes Maacah, the king, the daughter of the king of this region, to be his wife. This is especially problematic as the religion of the people of Gesher involved the worship of the moon god who took the form of a bull. It's uncertain if Maka retained any of the religious practices of her people, but if she did, it may be possible that although she certainly never convinced David to engage in such worship, she may have influenced her son to do so. Absalom's name actually means father of peace or peaceful. Yet we're going to see that it may have been his father's intention for him to be a peacemaker between Gesher and Israel, but Absalom himself never aspired to such a role. In fact, it was just the opposite. As we're going to see, Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and this is where it all began. And his half-brother Amnon, David's firstborn, was madly in love with her. His obsession for her became so great that he actually made himself ill. Then he contrived to get Tamar to bring him food, and when she did, he forcibly raped her. To make this tragedy, tragedy even worse, after he did so, Amnon threw her out of his room in disgrace. Absalom, her brother, found her and provided her with shelter, telling her, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother, don't worry about it. <laughs> and although he never addressed the betrayal with Amnon, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he'd done to his sister. Perhaps Absalom was waiting for his father to deal with Amnon, but although David was angry at the aggression of his son, he never addressed the matter with him. And this silence undoubtedly let the wound fester in Absalom's soul. For two years later, he invited all of the king's son, his brothers, to join him for a celebration, even pressing the king to particularly encourage Amnon's presence at the event. He then conspired to murder Amnon, and we're told that Absalom had been plotting this revenge ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. In fear of his father's reprisal, Absalom fled to his grandfather's in Gesher, where he spent the next three years. Yet David, having mourned the murder of his son Amnon, still longed to be reconciled with his outcast son Absalom. In an attempt to arrange a reunion between father and son, Joab's David, um, Joab, David's general, manages to arrange the return of Absalom. But David is determined that Absalom cannot come into his presence. For two years, Absalom lived in Jerusalem and never saw the king. 
It was another season for bitterness to grow in his heart. Absalom undoubtedly counted many sins against his father David. One, he never protected Tamar from the obsessive lusts of Amnon. Two, he never addressed Amnon's cry of rape. And three, although he tried to uh, allow him back into the country, he still banished Absalom from his presence. Now, while externally Absalom, we're told, was exceedingly handsome, flawless indeed, from head to foot, internally, he was an angry, resentful man who seems to be willing to do anything to get what he wants. He even burned down Joab's harvest fields in order to force him to arrange a meeting with the king. Once reconciled with his father, Absalom set in motion another dastardly plan. In all of his handsome glory, he ingratiated himself with his people. Every day, he placed himself at the city gate, and when anyone came in with a case for the king for judgment, Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. <laughs> well, the people were enamored with his words, and when they sought to bow down before him, he would raise them up and congenially and humbly kiss them on both cheek in friendship. This feigned effort of comradeship, which went on for over four years, stole the hearts of the people away from the king. Then Absalom set his trap. He asked his father if he could go to Hebron to offer sacrifices to the Lord, presenting himself as a faithful servant of Almighty God. But he lied to his father. He had no intention of worshiping God. Once in Hebron, he sent out messengers to announce, Absalom is crowned king of Israel. Absalom's organized rebellion threw the country into war and forced David to flee for his life. God remained steadfast with his anointed king and faithful worshiper David, and he worked against Absalom's success. But David's heart was still tender for his son, and before sending his generals into battle, David charged them to deal gently with young Absalom. Perhaps he knew he'd been too in indulgent with his sons, as Matthew Henry comments. Perhaps he felt responsible for not addressing the crimes of either Amnon or Absalom, reprimanding and correcting them for their horrendous sins of rape and murder. Perhaps he was acutely aware of his own sin in his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah, and so felt powerless to speak against his own sons. Whatever the reason, David greatly mourned when Absalom was killed in battle, and only Joab's strong rebuke shook him from his grief. But this, this message is really about the tragic life of Absalom, a man given the hopeful name Father of Peace, but becoming instead a man of rage and war. He allowed bitterness to grow like a poisonous root because he refused to receive the grace of God. As the prophet almost warns, he turned justice into poison and the sweet fruit of righteousness into bitterness. Yes, it was horrific what his lustful brother Amnon did to his sister Tamar, but instead of speaking to either Amnon or his father about the event, he allowed the, the offense to fester in his soul until only death was the answer. 
Paul writes in Romans about such people saying, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Concluding that we are all such sinners and we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. Paul goes on to command the Ephesians, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And in the book of Revelation, we are warned of the end times when a great star named bitterness will fall from the sky, causing the waters to turn bitter. And when people drink from that water, they will die. Bitterness is indeed a, a deadly emotion with potentially fatal consequences as we've seen in the life of Absalom. He allowed anger and resentment to fester like a seeping wound until it infected all of his thoughts and behavior, crushing any relationship he had with God or his father, driving him to plot death and destruction to anyone in his way. In seeking his own justice, he cast off all moral restraint and his evil schemes eventually killed him. His life is a clear example of the cost of bitterness, rooting itself in our hearts and vainly seeking our own revenge, which is why we're commanded, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. God sees every sin and every offense, and thus we are to allow God's mercy and God's justice to be acted out on our behalf. Instead, we are to be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven us. Therefore, beloved, let us not become an Absalom, but rather surrender our hearts to God's tender mercy and trust in his grace. Amen, beloved. Amen.